Uh, our big slogan here is uh, sharks should be revered, not feared. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the podcast that's all about Badum 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 that's right, y'all. It is time to talk about some sharks. So this week we are headed back to Adventure Aquarium to celebrate Shark Tooth Summer with Adventure Aquarium. Now, Shark Tooth Summer is a special event that is running at the aquarium from August 4th to September 5th. And it is an opportunity to learn all about sharks with daily shark chats, uh, see them swimming with exclusive Top of Shark Realm tours and also um, having some people hanging out in their shark tunnel to talk to you about the animals that you're seeing there. Uh, yeah, Adventure Aquarium has some really good shark displays, including having the world's longest shark bridge, which is a bridge that sharks can walk across using their... what? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is a bridge that you can walk over and look down into the ocean habitat where many of the sharks live. So uh, it's pretty cool to see all of the awesome shark stuff that they have at Adventure Aquarium. And we're going to talk today about sharks in general and about uh, the species that they have at the aquarium. Uh, I'm going to be bringing you my interview with uh, Eric Hansen, who is a biologist at Adventure Aquarium and uh, had a lifelong dream of working with sharks that he has now fulfilled, which is always an awesome story that I like to share. And speaking of sharing, uh, I want to share with you that you have the opportunity to support the pod by going to patreon.com slash Rossafari, making sure that you're following along at Rossafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Rossafari Pod on TikTok, and uh, make sure you hit subscribe on the show. And for those of you that decide to become patrons, there are a couple of perks. Uh, the big one is that every once in a while we throw some bonus audio your way, and uh, this episode is one of those. Uh, our patrons are going to get to hear uh, uh, some actual behind-the-scenes audio at the top of the shark habitat at Adventure Aquarium. Um, so yeah, for as little as $3 a month, you too can get bonus audio and hear cool things like that and also like goofy mistakes I make and all kinds of stuff. It's it's a lot of fun. So uh, patreon.com slash Safari to join that team. So yeah, I think it's time we do the thing. Without further ado, here is my interview for Shark Tooth Summer with Eric Hansen of Adventure Aquarium. Donna. Done. All right, I'll stop, I'll stop, I'll stop. All right, so why don't we start off by you telling me who you are, where we are, and what you do here. 
Uh, yeah, hi, my name is Eric. Uh, we're at Adventure Aquarium in Camden, New Jersey, and I'm a senior biologist here, and I take care of our big shark realm exhibit. That is really exciting. And we are, we are here celebrating Shark Awareness Month. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to really delve into this a little bit. Uh, I feel like sharks may be slightly misunderstood compared to a lot of captive animals. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we feel that way. Uh, our big slogan here is, uh, sharks should be revered, not feared. Ooh, I like um, it. because there is a, a huge misconception about sharks and, uh, everybody thinks that, you know, a shark, as soon as you get in the water near a shark, the shark's going to bite you or something like that. But that's definitely not the case. Um, you know, part of my job is to dive in the exhibit and, uh, you know, I'm around 21 sharks whenever I dive in shark realm and not once have I ever felt unsafe in there because they just leave you alone. They're okay. Right? Then can you explain why you're missing a leg and half an arm? No, oh. I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> the beauty of not having a video podcast, yeah, that's, right? It's <laughs> no. genetic disorder. That, <laughs> that makes, that makes a lot of sense though. And, um, I want to talk a lot more about that, but I actually like to start off by connecting with the human. Uh-huh. So, um, like what got you into this world? Did you always want to work with sharks? Tell me about like little Eric growing up in animals. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I remember just uh, always being fascinated with the ocean, you know, going down the shore uh, every summer and being on the beach, uh, you know, and just being fascinated with the ocean and all the critters on the on the surf there. Uh, I remember walking around like a park in my town with my dad and he'd be like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was like, I don't know, work with animals. And I like fish. I like the ocean. He's like, what about marine biology? And I was like, what's that? And he told me all about it. And I was like, from there, I was hooked. So um, hooked. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, and growing up next to the aquarium here, like I was around when it was being born, uh, when it was being built. And, uh, you know, I was just always like, that was my goal is to come work here. So I went to school for it. I, you know, there's always been a dream of mine to work at an aquarium, work with animals, work with fish, work with sharks. Um, you know, all those kind of cool exotic animals. And, uh, you know, I went to university of Stockton, or Stockton University, whatever it's called now. And, um, you know, four-year degree, BS in marine science. Uh, and then, you know, uh, worked my way to get here. So uh, I actually started off here as a volunteer and then um, basically volunteered my Saturdays until I could get a job. And I got eventually hired on, started in the water quality lab, testing all the water samples around in the entire aquarium here. And then I got promoted up into senior biologist eventually and, you know, working with sharks. It's a dream job. That's really awesome. I love that. Uh, when you were in school, uh, how much hands-on, like, experience did you get? Honestly, I did not get enough, uh, enough hands-on experience. I remember, like, first semester freshman year, I remember going out on a boat and trawling and seining for local species out in the bay. And I was like, this is awesome. This is what I want to do, you know, uh, getting that hands-on experience, being on a boat and that kind of stuff. But then as you progressed into the college field or career or whatever, school classes, um, you know, it kind of got away from that as more classroom oriented stuff. So it wasn't very much hands-on stuff until I actually started volunteering here and learning what to do in an aquarium and how to take care of a system and how to take care of animals. That's really cool that you got that on your own then, because yeah, I, you know, one of my, my gripes in life is just that like college doesn't actually prep you for much. Yeah. I have a degree in human resources, which first of all, weirdly doesn't help me as a professional drummer. But then on <laughs> top of that, um, it, I, when I got my degree, I realized I couldn't 
like go work in an HR department. Like I could have, but they would have had to teach me what to do. Right. I knew a ton of laws and I knew, you know, very cool, obscure facts about unions and stuff, but I didn't actually know how to go sit at a desk and, you know, human resource. Human resource. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's but, definitely hard. I mean, uh, getting hands-on experience is definitely key to it. Uh, it gave me a foot in the door. So, you know, uh, volunteering was essential to my career. That's that's very cool. So you worked in a water quality lab, here, mm-hmm. right? So you tested all of the water quality. Now, obviously, that's important. This is an aquarium, and most of the things here live in water, so the quality Correct. has to be good. What kind of testing goes into that? How big of a procedure is that? I mean, you make it. I guess it sounds like it's a full time job. It is a full time wow. job. It's daily. I mean, um, the. Uh, the aquarium, all the exhibits are broken up into galleries. So each individual biologist has their own gallery. Uh, we run each of their galleries every other week. So we have, you know, um, 10 days or 10 days of basically testing. Um, some of our exhibits like our ocean realm, our shark realm, our hippos, penguins, all those big exhibits get, uh, treated with ozone to help with water clarity. And, uh, so we have to test that every single day to make sure that those water quality parameters are within, uh, you know, certain specifications for those animals. So, um, yeah, it's an everyday job. Um, it's a lot of work. We test, you know, pH, alkalinity, salinity every day. And then even corals, we have a coral day that we call cause corals are, you know, require a lot of different, uh, water quality parameters like calcium, magnesium, you know, uh, iodine. So there's a phosphates, there's a bunch of tests that we do and it's, it's a full-time job. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. And, uh, how long were you in that position? Uh, about two years, two and a half years, probably I want to say. So you want to work with animals mm-hmm. and you come here and you spend two and a half years playing with water yeah. without the animals just yeah. to get to that next level. Yeah. Nice. That's well, really cool. Well, I, I had some, I, when I was in the water quality lab, I actually had some other holding exhibits. Okay. So I had some, you know, animals to take care of some behind the scenes, uh, exhibits and stuff like that. So, uh, it gave me some experience. So when I moved out of the water quality lab, I had something. That's cool. Base so my, you did get to do some husbandry. Yes. Okay, yes. cool. What, um, what was your, your favorite or coolest animal that you worked with at that time? Uh, I think that my, my favorite animal that I, I worked with was this little blue spotted jawfish. Um, they're really cool, beautiful animal. Uh, they like to bury in the sand and kind of just have like a little cave that they kind of come in and out of. Um, so I had him in an exhibit and, um, I thought I lost him for a while and then I found him and <laughs> kind of, he was in a bad spot. So I had to rehab him back into, you know, exhibitable, uh, condition. And once I got him back in there, he was, he was awesome. So he, he was, he was a fun, fun guy. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. That's very cool. And so then you move on and you get to the topic of today's episode, which is sharks. And I, I have so many thoughts and so many questions about sharks, but I think right now I'm just, just knowing my listeners a little bit, I feel like the number one question on everyone's mind is aquariums, whether here or elsewhere, have sharks in with other animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Isn't that kind of like having somebody live at a buffet and telling them they can't eat the food? How does this work? Why are you not constantly cycling through a bunch of eaten fish? Yeah, I mean, that's the question we get asked a lot, right? Um, Basically, uh, we feed our sharks three times a week. We feed them every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 
Um, and so that keeps them pretty well fed, uh, satiated. Um, so, you know, sharks out in the wild, they'll eat once a week, once every other week, depending upon the size of their meal. They don't need to eat all the time. Like that's what everybody thinks. The sharks are just mindless eating machines. Uh, they're not, they, they don't care about the fish, uh, that are in the exhibit with them. Um, they swim around, they'll swim right across their, their, their mouth and they don't care. They don't bite at them, um, because they're well fed. You know, uh, we feed them different things. So everything that we feed them is restaurant quality food. So they're spoiled a little bit. (laughs) Um, yeah, we get them from a restaurant distributor. So it's all like restaurant quality food. And, um, you know, they have a choice and control of whether they want to eat that day or whether they don't. Some, some of our sharks, uh, are pigs. They love to eat, you know, (laughs) every time we, we feed every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, there's this one shark that eats everything. Um, so she doesn't care. So she's, you know, she's ready to eat all the time, but she doesn't go after any of the fish in the exhibit. Um, you know, so, uh, there were, pretty well fed for it. So they don't need to expel, expel that energy to go after a healthy fish. They're not going to chase after it. So they're just, all right, we're cool. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I I feel like, you know, there's definitely the anti-captivity crowd out there and Mm -hmm. and they have their thoughts about, especially things like sharks and cetaceans and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like one of the things that gets missed so regularly is the fact that, just because animals do a behavior in the wild doesn't necessarily mean that they want to. Like humans, we used to, when you look at our history, we used to move around a lot and not have DoorDash and Netflix. <laughs> but boy, do we like our DoorDash yeah. and Netflix, you yeah. know, and, and grocery stores and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. And, um, so, so I guess, you know, not to anthropomorphize too much, but the idea here is that y'all are the DoorDash and that because of that, the sharks don't need to go hunting and. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we have target trained them. So sharks are able to be target trained, you know, uh, again, people think that sharks can't be trained. Uh, they're not like, they're not a dolphin. They're not a whale. They're not a seal, you know, the, the things normally associated with training with animals, but, uh, they are trained. So we actually have two people that feed every time. So, uh, one person feeds the sand tigers and another person feeds the sand bars and they're on the opposite sides of the exhibit. Um, so like the sand bars go to one side, sand tigers go to another side. And, you know, if they don't want to eat, they don't come over to that feed station. So, uh, yeah, it's it's almost exactly like a DoorDash. Yeah. yeah so we're there really delivering cool. their food for them and just here you guys go. <laughs> that's awesome. What what kind of training, like how do you train a shark for that? Talk me through that. Yeah, we uh, we tar- uh, we have a pole, a target pole that we have the fish on to. Um, and then we establish it by putting um, targets in the water. Um, so, like, different, like um, – Basically, they were like bucket lids. So like a blue bucket lid we put in on a pole in the water. And then, you know, once a sandbar came over there, they got near that, we fed them. So they kind of associated that area with feeding. So if a sand tiger came into that area, they would not get fed. So they they would have to recognize that, oh, I need to go over that side and get fed. So uh, if I want food, I got to go over here. If not, all right, I don't need to eat today. So okay. yeah, it, it, it took a little bit, but, uh, all the sharks are, are pole fed. Um, there's no hand feeding obviously, um, <laughs> because there might then be some hand yeah. feeding. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, everything, every, every, uh, individual shark is, is trained to feed off of a pole. Okay. Very cool. And I guess, um, 
you know, one of the things that I'm trying to figure out here is so, so what, what is a shark's visual acuity like? Because you, I know that you mentioned a blue, uh, training thing, yeah. right? You know, um, a target couldn't yeah. be the word. Uh, so can they tell that it's a blue target? Do we know what sharks see like? Is that more to help y'all out? It's more to help us out okay. and to, I mean, it was it also the target was in different shapes. So we'll have like a triangle or a square or a circle or something like that. They do have, uh, Decent eyesight. It's not the best, um, but they have a, a fairly good eyesight. I mean, they use most of their their other senses, like the ampulla of Lorenzini, which uh, helps them detect you know electrical receptors in the water. So, like a fish's heartbeat or uh, you know movement um, in the water, like um, some like pressure and all that. So they have like these jelly filled pockets in their rostrum around their nose. Uh, so they sense all that. So they use that as more of uh, detecting. Uh, an organism in the water or something in the water so they can go hunt it. Their eyesight, not the best, but it's not the worst either. Um, like, like you said, I mean, with, uh, shark attacks, like most of them are, you know, uh, mis- cases of mistaken identity. So they see a surfer at the surface of the water with a, a surfboard looking like a seal and they go up and, you know, attack it. But then once they realize what it is, it's like, Oh, nope, that's not what I wanted. Um, I actually saw like a really cool, uh, experiment one time where somebody put three surfboards in the water with blood dripping into the water. One was cow's blood one was fish blood and one was just seawater and all the sharks went to the fish blood and none went to Oh wow. Like one or two went to the one with the cow's blood. So they're not attracted to that, you know, mammal blood. They're more attracted to the fish blood. So like it was really like a really awesome experiment. And you can see that like, yes, yeah, sharks don't want anything to do with humans. So once they once they realize what they have, then you know, it's like, whoop. Never mind. I don't want that. So that's why, like, a lot of people with shark vision think that, you know, they, they don't have good vision. But it's 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 not bad. It's not the worst. But Okay. Interesting. That's that's really cool. Yeah. And um, you mentioned that you go in with the sharks. Uh-huh. And so um, you kind of killed my next question because I was going to be like, but what if you, like, cut your finger? Yeah. But, um, okay, so we, we know that that won't be a big deal. Um, but, like, tell me about when you go in with the sharks. And I assume you're doing a wetsuit and all of that. Tell Absolutely. Me, tell me what life is like with shark underwater. Yeah, so uh, part of our job at the aquarium is maintaining our exhibits. So uh, we got to get in and, you know, clean the acrylic and scrub the rocks and gravel or vacuum all the gravel. So, like, basically just clean the clean the water up, clean the exhibit up. Um, so once we get in, basically all of our sharks stay at the surface or like a few feet below the surface, like kind of mid water column. And we just go right down to the bottom. So they don't bother us. We don't bother them. Um, we kind of stay out of their way. And when, you know, whenever we're in there, we have a safety diver with us just in case, you know, anything happens or just so somebody has an, uh, a, an eye out on all the sharks and see if any shark gets too close, you know, we don't actually bump into it or anything like that. So it's, we're very safe when we're getting in the water. Um, but, uh, you know, there are times where they're animals, so we have to be cautious of them and we have to always like look around and make sure that, you know, the sharks, we know where the sharks are. So every time we turn a corner, got to make sure like kind of peek out and see if a shark's coming or not. Um, you know, if a shark is, uh, one of our sand tigers like laying down or something like that, we just kind of, you know, take a wide berth around her and not spook her or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's very, um, 
it's fun to dive with the sharks because I mean, getting in the water and seeing a sand tiger up close, you know, a couple feet away from you is is pretty exhilarating. Um, I still I've been been here for twelve years and it still I love it every every time. Uh, we actually have a program where guests can come in uh, on the weekends and do our shark and ray encounter. Um, it's a, basically, it's just a, a little snorkeling experience. And, uh, I'm sorry, I'm cracking up because <laughs> Lauren, who is the person who set all of this up and is doing PR is nodding very, very happily that this has come up authentically in the podcast. And, uh, it wouldn't be this show if I didn't call you out for that, but I mean, it is right. important to promote this stuff. That's why, that's why you're on the podcast. Yeah, so, so I was just very entertained by that. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a guest experience where people can book a reservation and, um, come in and they get in the water with the sharks and they're behind a rock wall in the water with the sharks. But like the sharks literally come inches away from you guys. Okay. So I've been coming here since I, well, actually since before I moved down here, um, maybe seven years ago and I did not know that was a, a thing and no. I've done some of the experiences here and I'm a member. So, um, there's a giant banner. Well, so to be fair, to be fair to me, when I get to the aquarium, I tend to run in like a five-year-old right. and immediately make my way to sea turtles as they are one of my favorite animals. Uh, okay. And um, then I kind of circle back and see some of the other stuff. All right. But yeah, so I missed that on the giant banner. Um, and now I want to do that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it, what kind of sharks do you get to meet when you do that? Uh, so our sharks in our shark realm exhibit. So there's our sand tigers and our sand bars. Our sand bars are the ones that really come really, really close okay. to the wall. So like I said, like some of them like to swim with their fin like almost touching the wall so it's literally oh. like five inches away from you oh that's incredible yeah. I, I need to do that that yeah. is that's beyond so you're that. in the water for a total of 45 minutes you do 15 minutes with the sharks and then we have a sectioned off corner where we have a bunch of stingrays so calano stingrays southern stingrays you go in there for 15 minutes and you feed them you swim with them you pet them you love them you know they're they're everybody's favorite thing, puppy dogs of the sea or whatever. Right, right. Uh, and then you go back out of the sharks for another 15 minutes. So a total of 45 minutes. So it's a, it's a pretty long encounter. That's really cool. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And you know, you mentioned rays and not to, not to divert too much, but, um, in my experience, so I, I love, I travel all around the country and I go to places and I, I have cool animal experiences whenever possible. And I take friends whenever I can to, to do some of the, not behind the scenes stuff, but you know, the feedings and stuff. Mm -hmm. I've had so many friends, you know, feed giraffes and feed what the, the times that they feed stingrays. Uh -huh. I hear more screams, more <laughs> yeah. people are afraid. Yep. I don't know what it is, but do you ever encounter that on these encounters? Absolutely. It's at so least funny. It's almost like one person every encounter is actually afraid of a stingray. Like they just um, you know, because you have this animal that's kind of coming over top of your hand and sucking the fish away from your right right out of your hand. Uh you you hear squeals and squeals of laughter and squeals of fear all the time. Um, some people don't even want to get in with the stingrays. Mm -hmm. They like the sharks more than the stingrays. <laughs> um, it, so, uh, you know, we have to sometimes handheld, uh, hold people's hands and, amazing. Uh, you know, uh, help them get over that fear of the stingrays. Cause I mean, I do think there's a little bit of a misconception about stingrays as well with it, with what happened to, you know, um, Steve Irwin. Steve yep. Irwin. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, but we, we weirdly that did not happen in a touch tank at an aquarium, no, though. Yeah. Weirdly, that weirdly. was yeah. out in the wild. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, we, uh, all the the stingrays here, we trim their barbs. Um, they're like our fingernails, so they're always constantly growing back. So every you know 
three to six months, we'll pull them and we'll clip their barbs and make them dull. Um, but I mean, it's a last case defense for stingrays. They they will never sting uh, someone if they're if they can flee. You know, flee is their first type of defense. But uh, if not, then they'll try to use their barb. But they've never tried to use their barb against somebody. Right, makes sense. And when they eat, it's just their mouths go over you and mm-hmm. they suck. It's yeah. kind of, I mean, I'm just going to say it. It's adorable. Yeah. It's right? like a little vacuum cleaner. Yeah. We yeah. Tell everybody, so like you feel it yes! suck right out. I cannot understand. I have had friends try multiple times and scream and like throw the fish away. Yep. And I'm like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's the least scary animal experience. If you can get past the, you know, irrational yeah. fear of just stingrays. If you general. just hold your hand flat and the fish sticking up out of your hand, then, you know, it, they just come right over and just basically flat palm right on the top of your hand and suck it right out. Yeah. Coolest thing ever, and they're, they're, it just doesn't. They're, they're not going to bite you. That's not how. No, they don't work. have teeth. They have yeah, hard no. bony plates inside. Right, yeah. um, it's like a shark. They they have these plates that fall out, but um, they're little grinding plates. So as long as you don't get your finger in their mouth, they're not going to bite your hand. Exactly. Okay. Cool. So enough about stingrays. Let's get back. <laughs> it's not Stingray Appreciation Month. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, let's let's. So you have <laughs> you have sand tiger and sandbar. Uh huh. Can you talk about like? Can you basically describe those two types of sharks? Sure. Um, a sand tiger is, uh, I mean, they have many different names. Uh, they're also like a gray nurse shark over in Australia. They're, um, uh, uh, they're called ragged tooth sharks because they, they have this very menacing looking, uh, mouth, uh, with all their teeth sticking out. But I mean, they're, they're not very menacing at all. Um, they just look mean. Um, but they're basically like, uh, they get to about like 10, 11, 12 feet long. Um, they're like a brownish tan color, um, and uh, they're they're coastal sharks, so they're all up and down the Atlantic coast here. Um, so you can find them in the bays. You can find them off the off the ocean. You know, right right close to the shore. Um, so yeah, they're they're a pretty cool uh, species of of shark. Um, they like to go deep. Uh, you know, in the winter months, they'll they'll come uh, close to the bays and that kind of stuff to give birth, and then they'll go back out. And go deeper in the water, so they'll stay away. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a sand tiger. They, they actually have a really cool ability where they um, uh, kind of come up to the surface of the water and they'll kind of breach their mouth and gulp air, oh, wow. and then they'll swallow air and put it in their belly, and that kind of helps them with their buoyancy. Oh, um, wow. so I don't know of too many other sharks that do that, but like we see it all the time at the aquarium where. You know, like people standing across our shark bridge, will see a sand tiger come up and like its mouth will come out of the water and they'll scream and, <laughs> you know, they get scared. But it's like it's not jumping out at you. It's just gulping some air and putting it in its belly and helping with its buoyancy. Um, they actually have an ability to lay down on the exhibit as well. So they can lay down and, uh, you know, pump water over their gills. So a lot of sharks have to keep moving uh, in order to, to survive. So the water goes over their gills and they, you know, absorb that oxygen from the water, but sand tigers can lay down and, uh, you know, we'll find them sleeping sometimes. So, you know, then we have our, our sandbar sharks, which are all called brown sharks. So they're, you know, pretty much coastal as well, all over the world. Um, they're about like, you know, uh, eight feet long average. Um, um, and they're like a bluish gray color, which I don't know why they're called brown sharks when they're like a bluish <laughs> gray color um but yeah we call them our browns um but they're again they're just kind of like one of those other uh shark species that are just around all the time um you know uh there's nothing too special about them there's just one of those cool sharks uh i won't let cool. them know that you said that yeah don't worry i love them all the same 
Um, they definitely do have their personalities too. So you can see like each individual shark and in their personalities, which is kind of cool. Um, a few years ago, we actually had uh, one of our sandbars give birth. Um, so it was like one of like the second time that we've ever had it happen. So we were very excited with that. It was born uh, October, 2018. She had, uh, like eight pups and we were able to give some away to our sister aquarium and all that kind of stuff. So nice. Yeah. So it's a big achievement for us, I guess, having shark reproduction. So that's pretty cool. Um, then we have our lone, uh, Atlantic black tip reef shark in there. Um, so he's, he's all over the place. He's the small shark in there. He zips around um, he kind of, uh, tends to steal fish from other shark's mouths. <laughs> uh, so he's, he's, he's kind of crazy. Uh, but again, he's, he's all over the Atlantic coast here, um, up and down. So they're fairly common as well. Uh, and then the other species that we have in our shark realm is our, uh, our nurse sharks. Um, everybody knows nurse sharks. They're like the cuddly sharks, you know, everybody, uh, if you go down the Bahamas and do like shark feedings and stuff like that, they're the ones that kind of come around the most. Um, but our nurse sharks, uh, you might not see them, but you might see them. Uh, they like to tend to lay on the bottom of the exhibit where the water comes returns back into the exhibit from the filtration and they basically stick their mouths up against the pipe and basically it just breathes for them. They're, <laughs> they're fat, rolly little sharks. Um, you know, if they, if they turn to the side, you see their, their fat rolls along their body, which is kind of cute. Nice, nice. Um, why are they called nurse sharks? Um, their mouths are very different than a regular shark. Cause they have like, basically when they open their mouth, it's like a suction, like a stingray. Oh, okay. Um, and that's why they're called nurse sharks. Then? Yeah, so, they, yeah. So they make a suckling sound when they come out, the, their mouth comes out of the water. Nice. That's really weird and interesting. Man. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I know Jaws was a white shark, but I feel like Jaws kind of gave a bad name to, to sharks in general, because this sounds much cuter and lazier than uh, than what happened there in Amity. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Jaws is still one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, but uh, it's a good film. It's great, and but uh, I know you know uh, the author Peter Benchley. He he after that came out, he kind of was like regretted writing that book and everything about it, and he's written more books about conservation efforts with sharks and kind really? of a, uh, being an advocate for sharks. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's he, really cool. He's, he's, he kind of dedicated his career after Jaws to making sure like he reversed that misconception and that stigma about sharks. So, uh, he's worked really hard for that. Wow. That's pretty cool. I, I like that. That's pretty cool. And then I feel like there's a shark that we've missed. Yeah. Um, and it's it's possibly the most important one here. Absolutely. Uh, one of only, I think, two in captivity in the country right now. Exactly. Yeah. That's uh, It's in our Ocean Realm exhibit. So he's our great hammerhead. Yes. Um, which is, you know, a big thing for us because, like like you said, it's only one of – we're only one of two places in all of uh, North America with a shark – a great hammerhead in captivity. And it was the only for a long time until Georgia opened their uh, – uh, their new exhibit, right? Yes, yeah. the, they just opened it up about a year or two ago. Yeah, it's really gorgeous. Um, I highly recommend if you ever get down there. It's a nice, it's a nice setup. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we've had him here for uh, about ten years or so, um, or maybe eight years or so, something like that. We got him as a pup, and um, he's grown into a monster that he is. He's he's huge. He's about like eleven feet long now, and he's still growing. So he's only like eight years old, and. He's going to be a big boy. Um, he's, he's fun. Um, you know, he, he does not mind you in the water. He'll come right next to you. And it's like, you know, that's, uh, alarming to see a big 
11 foot hammerhead shark come right at you and it's like, Oh, there you are. But I mean, he just comes in, he's curious. He just looks at you and is like, Oh, Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, I'm here just to let you know. But, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely our, our, uh, focus shark, our, our big, you know, spotlight shark to everybody come see. So what is it? What, what made adventure be the one and now two, but the one to get a, a hammerhead? Yeah, I think we uh, we've always tried to do something different and something cool and something that nobody's seen before. Um, so, like, we've had tiger sharks before, and I don't think anybody's really tried tiger sharks. But after those, then we were like, all right, what can we do next? And it was like, let's do a great hammerhead and see how how it does. And uh, it's worked out really, really well. Um, you know, and that way that we. Other aquariums have used our information with hammerhead species. You know, we've we've had scalloped hammerheads and great hammerheads and bonnet heads and all that in our Oshram exhibit. And, you know, they've used our records and our advice and how to take care of them in their exhibits. I'm not going to lie. Every time I see a bonnet head, because you see bonnet heads everywhere now. Yeah. And I'm always like, oh, this would be so much cooler if I didn't live right by adventure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're they're you know, they're like a two, three, four foot long species of of hammerheads and they're they're cute. They're fine. Yeah, but cool. nothing <laughs> it compares to a great hammerhead and seeing how massive they are. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of the few things that can distract me from the sea turtles when I'm over there. Yeah. So um, and he's yeah. in the same exhibit as the sea turtles. So yeah. it's like competing with you. Yeah. So you mentioned individual personalities. Yeah. And so now it is the time to talk up some of your sharks. I want you to okay. tell me about a couple of, of the personalities and, that you connect with, um, you know, or that are just the most unique. Okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, our sharks, we don't actually like, they, they don't have names like, uh, you know, like George or Frank or anything like that. Um, we name them basically by, uh, their species and their number that they've come in. So like we have our, our brown sharks, which are our, our sandbar sharks, we call them B and a number. So in order of which they came. Um, so we have a shark that's B12, uh, very recognizable. Um, she has like three little wrinkles on her right peck fin and, um, she is a beast when it comes to feeding time. Like she will splash everywhere and try to bully the other sharks and get as much food as she can. She eats at least like 10 fish at every feed. Um, so yeah, so she's crazy. As soon as the fish hits the water on that pole, she, you can see her darting over like, Oh, it's feeding time. Let's go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's, she's pretty crazy. Um, then we got some other ones that are a lot calmer. Um, like our, our mom shark, our B18, the one that gave birth a couple years ago. She's very calm. She comes over and, uh, you know, she eats off the pole and you just feel her like nibble at the, at the fish. Like she's like a very, like a, like a calm dog. If you like hand feed <laughs> a dog and they like use their front teeth to take the food out right, of your hand. Right. She's doing that off the pole. She just kind of bites it and then was like, okay, thanks. I'll be back. Nice. Um, you know, uh, like I said, like our nurse sharks, uh, they, their personality, they just like to lay on the bottom and they're very lazy. Um, our sand tigers, um, they all pretty much have the kind of same personality, but again, it's like more, mostly their feeding response and how they take the food off the pole. Um, some snap very hard and to get the, uh, fish off the pole and like sometimes they'll bite the pole and we literally fight with the shark to to get the pole out of their mouth oh, wow. once they bite the pole they're not letting go and we just basically have to let it go and like well, well i guess we'll have to dive to go get that pole later <laughs> thanks for taking the pole out of my hand so like 
you know, it's uh, yeah, it, 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 when you feed, it's it's knowing individual sharks and how they react and how they bite and you know how to target them better. But yeah, so some some are a little bit nuttier than others, I would say. That's fair. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and uh, you said that they don't have names, right? Hammerhead has a name. Hammerhead, right? Come on. he does actually have a name because I mean he's he's special, right? right. So he's he's got to have his own name. His name is Anchor. Um, it was actually um, the our guests uh, voted for that name, so um, it was a competition and uh, a contest, and Anchor won out. So uh, I mean, his head looks like a, an anchor, yeah. a cephalofoil, better than Sharky McSharkface, right? So, exactly. You know. I, that might have been in the running. I think <laughs> something Bodie McBoatface or something oh, like that. Boy. <laughs> so um there's a there's a belief commonly held amongst people um that all sharks need to swim all the time right. in order to stay alive. Yes. And you keep talking about sharks sleeping on the bottom. Right. Um and now you did mention the vent thing. So so talk to me about that. Is that real? Is that different from species to species? It is it is real and it is different from species okay. to species. So like I said, the brown sharks are sandbar sharks. Um, Atlantic black tip, you know, the silky sharks, all those need to keep swimming in order to breathe. Um, they basically need that water going through their mouth over their gills and out their gills. So their gills can absorb that oxygen. Um, other species like a sand tiger, um, they're strong enough where they can sit, lay on the bottom. They kind of pump their jaw a little bit and pump that water in and out of their gills. So, um, but the majority, like a great hammerhead, has to keep swimming. Um, you know, anytime we do a procedure on a shark and we 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 kind of we flip them and put them in a tonic, it kind of like they go into like they're paralyzed once they go upside down. Um, we have a ram vent, basically a pump, an under, underwater pump, and with oxygen, and we just pump it into their mouth. So they're always getting water flowing over their gills so they get that oxygen. Okay, so they're swimming even when they're not swimming. Basically, basically yeah. yeah. yeah cool. I mean, the water that's is cool. still moving through right. their mouth, through their over their gills, um, so it's easier, it's so they can get that oxygen and, and survive. Okay, very yeah. cool. Very, very cool. Um, I have to ask, because I, I would be remiss not to. Now, I know that you said that you feed them very well and that they don't eat the animals and stuff, but every once in a while, I know that something may happen in the world. It's it's wild animals. Um, what happens if something like that happens? Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's call of the wild, call of nature. You know, it's it's their natural instinct. Um, but I mean, most of the time it doesn't happen. But if it does, you know, uh, it's one of those things that you know, it's a shark, a shark being yeah. a shark. Okay, cool. I just. You know, I was curious. Yeah. And I know, I know that it's incredibly rare. I've been here, I've spent so many hours in this building and I, I've never seen that particular thing happen. But, you know, animals are animals. They yeah. got an animal. That's yeah. one thing that we've learned on this podcast. And I think it's important to be upfront and honest about that yeah. while at the same time saying we do everything in our power to take, you know, good yep. care of it. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, we try. I mean, we, we try to curb that behavior as much as possible, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the feedings, um, even when we're not feeding the sharks Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we do broadcast feed. So like, uh, other fish like chopped up fish is getting, uh, put in the water for all the other fish. So if the shark is so inclined, they want to eat something that day, they can eat out of the broadcast feed, nice. which, you know, our little Pacific black tip in Ocean does that starting to eat out of the black, uh, out of the broadcast, the silky sharks do that. Cool. So not only are they eating Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but they're eating whenever they want to as well. So, right. you know, the broadcast feeds kind of curb that, 
as well. Very cool. When you feed them, um, do you track exactly how much each shark eats? Or, mm-hmm. Okay, so so you have to like really keep track of what you're doing. Yeah, it's uh, we are an AZA accredited facility. It, it's a requirement. So uh, sharks are required to eat one to three percent of their body weight every week. Nice. Um, so we have weighed them and we know what that percentage is, and so we re- we record that every time they do a feeding. So I can track how much they're getting on a weekly basis. And if they're falling out of range or if they're, you know, over the amount, like B12 is probably over her amount. (laughs) um, You know, we can kind of like, all right, you don't need to eat that much today. You know, so we can start targeting ones that, you know, uh, have gone through a fasting period or something like that. Um, You know, uh, so yeah, we have actually, when we do a shark feed, we have one person feeding the sandbars, one person feeding sand tigers and one person recording. So I'll be feeding the sandbars and I'll yell out, you know, B12 and so on and so forth. And they'll just kind of record as we go along. And then I'll enter that into a database and, uh, can pull those numbers and, you know, calculate everything. Awesome. Love it. Very cool. Um, is there anything else? Yeah. Science is good. (laughs) Science is good. We like science on this, you know, science podcast. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to tell me about this before we move on to our last two? Um, well, like our shark conservation, our, uh, you know, shark awareness month, it will be in August. So is this airing in August? Yeah. We'll drop this right at the beginning of that. Okay. So yeah. So so our shark awareness month, uh, will be happening all of uh, August uh, coincides with uh, Shark Week. Um, you know, everybody loves Shark Week. Um, so yeah, so come, come, see, come out and see us. Love it. And then, are there any conservation organizations you'd like to give a shout out to? Um, I mean, I'll always, I think OSearch does a great job. Um, we donate a lot of our money to uh, AZA Safe. Um, so it's it's basically you know uh, AZA conservation effort. So uh, that a lot of zoos and aquariums donate to. So um, you know. We like to give back. Very cool. I love it. And then last but not least. It's time now, don't you know? We've come to the end of the show. But there's one tale left to go. You're gonna laugh and say, oh no. It's time for the Rossifari poop story. (laughs) <laughs> I've been waiting for this one. Um, so this doesn't have to do with a, a shark or anything like that. Um, it's one of our, our sea turtles. Uh, his name is Ozzy. Uh, we got Ozzy about six or seven years ago as a hatchling. And um, Ozzy's our special sea turtle. He was not basically, he, he not meant to survive his his his, uh, his hatching. And uh, we got him from the Fish and Wildlife because he's deemed non-releasable. So he has no use of his rear flippers. He's got muscle atrophy. Um, So it's a lot of love and care with the, with the Ozzy as he was growing up. Um, But as we were in uh, a system, like cleaning a system, he was out in one of our quarantine systems. I'd dive it and clean it. Um, He literally would poop all over me. Um, And I, I'm not exaggerating that I would be on the bottom of the exhibit and he would swim over top of me and just circle right above me and just carpet bombing me. Uh, it's disgusting. Sea turtle, uh, poop is not like, sometimes it comes out as, you know, a solid mass, but, um, it's very loose and it just fell all over top of me. And, um, my standby diver was just laughing uncontrollably <laughs> laughing at me. I was like, are you seeing this? And he's like, yep. He's just circling right above you. Just letting it all out. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty gross. 
pretty gross. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, Ozzy is one of my faves here, so uh, yeah. it's nice to have a poop story, poop story. from Ozzy. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for taking the time Absolutely. to do this. Absolutely. My pleasure. And there you have it, folks. Sharks. Yay. Um, so I have to, uh, I have to eat a little crow here. Not, not literally. I haven't like captured a crow or anything. Um, but, uh, I, if you've been paying attention, you may have noticed that I made a whole big deal, uh, on our last adventure aquarium episode about how it was the last one in the series and it had meant so much to me that I got to do all of this and blah, blah, blah. And now here we are with a fifth episode in the Adventure Aquarium series. Well, what happened is that uh, as I recorded that fourth one, it was wildly late at night, and uh, I had looked at my little spreadsheet where I track all of my guests to make sure that I wasn't forgetting another Adventure Aquarium episode, and uh, I guess I skipped right over this one. Um so yeah, so all of the things that I said back in that episode are still true. I'm wildly thankful to Adventure Aquarium. I think it's been amazing to get to do a five-episode series from there. Uh, I'm I'm very excited to have, have shared these amazing people with you. I'm thankful to everyone at the aquarium who made it happen. All the things that I said before super passionately, still true. And now this is actually the last one in this five-episode series, although y'all know I'm going to try and get back to Adventure and do some more interviews down the road. Um, but yeah, I just, I love sharing Adventure Aquarium with y'all because it's, it's such a great place and I spend so much time there. And, uh, if you want to check them out on the online, they are at Adventure Aquarium on the socials and AdventureAquarium.com on the internet. All right, friends, remember, if you are a shark, the way you say the word credits backwards is Stiderk, 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 the Ross Safari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Ross Safari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Ross Safari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.